hi there. <gasps> Did that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. My name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. <laughs> My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! there hold on open if you brought a bible i encourage you to open it if you if you didn't bring one i encourage you to go purchase one if you can't purchase one just ask somebody these are the most beautiful wonderful people in the world they will give you their own probably i don't want to put that on them but <laughs> but they will will we'll get you one okay again if you if you're like me you're introverted you uh or you've suffered in the past from social anxiety email me uh email us at hello at newhopekent.org and uh, put your address in there, and a Bible will show up, okay? But um, I encourage you, open, open your Bibles if you have them. Um, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to reference a bunch of Scripture today. If you've got phones and things like that, I don't know if you can turn off the time while looking at it, but some of you are smarter, much, much, much more smarter than I am. But... Uh, don't be legalistic about it. Read God's word, okay? And uh, I'm going to mention a bunch of scriptures, and I thought, I thought about putting them all up there for you to find them. Really easy, easy to read, but uh, as great as technology is, and I am a technophile. I'd love it if we could find more ways to be less like the world and less up here, even though I just showed you that video, and more down here with our hands on the pages of the word of the Lord. That said, thanks to technology, if you miss something, or you miss a scripture reference, or go check it, Bereans. Uh, Lord brought us Alex Hill back there, and he's recording this right now. And you can go watch everything I said. <laughs> I'm not taking any of it down. Uh, you, you can go watch it later, okay? I think it'll be easy for you to discern where the Lord is speaking and where Samuel is speaking, if you need to. Okay, let's pray as we approach God's word. Our Father in heaven, only you test the heart. Only you know the heart. You know mine. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that my anxiety would be cast upon you today. That I would not be distracted. that I would get out of the way. I'm not perfect, and I know that I'm going to fail in multiple ways. Lord, I take comfort in knowing that you work all things, my failures and my good, uh, for your purposes. And even when I mess up, you weave it back into goodness. And so we rely upon you completely in your grace and ask that you speak through your powerful word to us today. Amen? Amen. I have a strong, strong love for Lutherans. You have time for a, a story that's not in my notes? Oh, someone said, sure, you're all in trouble. When I was growing up, I, listen, I love my mom and pa. There's a song that says that. But uh, I'll just stop there. I love them. 
I was dating this girl. I wouldn't call it dating as much as I would call it making out. I was very lost. Still am in many ways. Um, she invited me over to her home. And uh, her dad was a surgeon. You know who he was? He was a Lutheran surgeon. He always prayed with his patients. He had patients. <laughs> I like that. But uh, he wanted to see this young man who's dating his daughter. And I think the, the Lord protected her from me. <laughs> In a lot of ways, wherever you are, you know. <laughs> but uh, long story short, we sat down at the dinner table. We prayed together and we ate. And I was like, what is happening? This is not my normal experience. It felt awkward to be family. He was a Lutheran man. A lot of Lutherans have shown up in my life in many various diverse ways. And uh, Martin Luther himself, at the end of the service, wanted to sing one of my one of the most favorite songs. There are about three of them, but then you know, then I hear the Royal Diadem, and I'm like, oh, that's my favorite. So I, I don't know, but um, it's one of my all-time favorites. And this one that we're going to sing together. Don't worry, all the words will be up there later. You're going to sing a mo. You probably a lot of you. I think you all know by heart, probably right. I'm gonna, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to do that to you again. <laughs> but uh, the first verse says this. And it's the name of the song, right? Mighty Fortress is Our God. Have you heard that one? Oh, it's so good. Mighty Fortress is Our God. Bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Here's the part. We're still our ancient foe. You know who that is, right? Does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. You know what I'm talking about, right? The evil one. No one is his equal. No one on earth. Nothing that is created. No angel. No human no spirit, nothing is his equal. Now listen, I don't want to get in, get off topic, but uh, and if you want to explore, I love doing this, I love watching shows that explore the supernatural. There's kernels of truth in them. But uh, go watch... Sorry, okay. I thought my brother was in the ER, he's just telling me a story. <laughs> How do I turn him off? Get, get away, brother. It's not your time. Anyway. Oh, I watch these shows, right? Have you ever seen Supernatural? Have you ever seen that TV show? Oh, I hear somebody say yes. Where are you? Woo! All right, now. Dean. I still watch. I wish I still watched it. I don't have as much time as I used to. <laughs> um, what about some of these other ones? Oh, I read this book. I used to be in love with Anne Rice, a woman from uh, New Orleans. Wrote a bunch of books about vampires. One of the things Tommy and I have in common. He likes Blade. I'm getting out of, I'm getting out of hand. Okay. But he wrote, she wrote a book called Mimnock the Devil. There's a show, it's a pale imitation of these other ones called Lucifer on Netflix. I only watched a couple episodes. Worthless. Maybe you like it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. But you know what? When the evil one comes and all of these characters, these are probably non-believers, right? But you know what everyone's recognized? That he's an angel of light. Right? 
He doesn't come as a Halloween caricature. Or if you type in your phone, devil, in the, in the emojis, there's a little devil. Have you seen him? That's not what he comes as. He is gorgeous. Scripture seems to indicate that he was the, the choir director. No, we don't have a choir. That he was uh, perhaps, again, I'm getting just, le- just inklings of this, right? I'm not, this isn't what the word of the Lord, but uh, that he was the first and most glorious angelic being, being created. Probably why he fell and had pride. He is charismatic. Have you ever met a charismatic leader that is leading you the wrong way? He's charismatic and he hits each person uniquely. He is a distortion of the Lord. The way the Lord reaches you, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart and there's a key and only, only God can fill that hole and each, of that hole, each one of those holes we have, but they're different for each and one of us, Satan twists that and distorts it and he reaches you in, in, a, in a very unique way, catered and, and crafted like Turkish delight just for you. For the intellectuals, he convinces and he conjoles with the most cogent of arguments. His logic is unassailable. For those with big hearts that care for people, he distorts it and shifts it into shame and guilt. For those with strong willpower that want to go and serve the Lord with all their might, he encourages them to do it more and more in their own strength. His arsenal is vast and it is deep, deeper than you and I will ever know. He's like a prowling lion seeking to devour us. And I know you know these passages, but this is the word of the Lord, Ephesians 6, chapter 12. If you're taking notes, I'll say it one more time. Ephesians 6, chapter 12. It's online later. That's my anxiety, sorry. Um, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is like the Matrix, right? You don't wrestle against the, the people that don't know they're in the Matrix. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against? Rulers. Not, they're not talking about physical rulers. Against the authorities, against cosmic powers, the behind-the-scenes guy. Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Our main enemy... And I don't mean to scare you Presbyterians. But our main enemy is a spiritual enemy. Our main enemy is the enemy. The evil one. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, I step out from you for just a second. And when we say, um, what do we say? Protect us from evil. Thank you so much. I need you. Deliver us from evil, right? You know what a better translation is? Because I'm Presbyterian, I know. Delivers from the evil one. You know, and you know why I do it? I do it to remind myself it's not this abstract concept out there. Just like Jesus isn't an abstract concept of capital T truth. He's a person. Love is a person. Truth is a person. Evil is a person. He's the evil one. He is the deceiver. He is the destroyer. He is the accuser. He is the serpent. This song that we're going to sing later today, can I sit down for a second? 
Sorry. This song and this realization is going to inform our lesson for... Can I, I'm going to move this out of the way. It's a distraction. <laughs> Sorry, I have all these little jokes for myself up here. This song and this realization is going to inform our lesson for today. Right? We're going to be talking about earthly things in Nehemiah, but we're going to ask the Lord to give us spiritual eyes for which to see the spiritual reality behind every conflict that we face. The conflicts we face today and the conflicts Nehemiah faced thousands of years ago, the conflict that Adam and Eve faced in the very beginning. Let's read a passage together. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 6. Look, I did all that work to move around, and i got to get back up. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to look at uh, mine in the ESV, which is the best translation. <laughs> it says, Conspiracy Against Nehemiah. There's a lot of scheming going on. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray the bookmark prayer whenever I remember it. It's brought to my mind. So let's pray as we, as, we, as we approach God's word. Thank you, our Father in heaven, that you are the God whose promises never fail. Thank you for showing us in your word that you direct human history from beginning to end for your redemptive purposes. Every nation and life is in your sovereign hand. Oh, Father, I acknowledge before you that I am sinful and stiff-necked. We acknowledge before you that we are sinful and stiff-necked, just like your people in the Old Testament. We repent of our sin, and we thank you for your mercy in sending your Son, who took on himself the punishment for that sin, so that we, your people, can live forgiven by faith in him. As we study your word, please help us to see you more clearly, and to follow you with growing faith and prayerful obedience. Give us courage. Give me courage to amend our lives and to proclaim the gospel in word and deed in the places we live, work, and play. For his glory alone and in the name of Jesus and his grace we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. Where, where does it stop? Verse, uh, verse 14. Now... Uh, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. I love Nehemiah. Although up to that time, he's so honest. I hadn't set up the doors and the gates. <laughs> it's all done, but he's very honest. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together at uh, Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sam Bowett, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. It was getting serious. And it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem, all says it, that you and the Jews, you intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. You've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king, king of Persia, will hear these reports. 
So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him. He didn't, he didn't fall for it. I sent to him. No such thing as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. He's more brave than I am. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. We'll stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, thanks be to God for his word. Can you, can you move that, that slide off? Make it black. Thank you so much. Have you heard this phrase before? I know you have. United we stand. Divided we fall. Very famous phrase. Who's the, who's the, the earthly man that comes to mind when you hear that phrase? A- a- Abraham Lincoln. He did a few nice things for us, right? <laughs> uh, I looked it up. I think this is the right quote. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time looking around, but I think this is it. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Oh, that's wisdom, right? No matter who you are, where you come from, what you believe, that is wisdom. It's a grace from the Lord. That said, we are believers and we have special revelation. We know exactly where it comes from. It comes from capital T Truth, a man named Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 27. If you're taking notes, Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 27. Here we go. The scribes who came down from the religious leaders, let's just say that, the righteous, came down from Jerusalem and were saying about, about Jesus, he is possessed by Beelzebub. Ooh, I hesitate to say the name, but like, you know like uh, Harry Potter, he who must not be named? He's possessed by the, the devil, and by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. Friends, these people are in trouble. They're telling Jesus this is who he is. So Jesus, look how gentle Jesus is. He called to him, and so he called to them, and he said to them in parables, very gently, teaches them. How can Satan cast out Satan? In other words, I'm casting out demons. How can demons cast out demons? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. Ooh, that's a good word. This next one's really good too. No one can enter a strong man's house. Click that, hold it for later. Who's the strong man? No one can enter. If you have a really strong man like Reuben, who can enter his house and plunder his goods? Unless first... He binds up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Watch out, Reuben. Listen. The evil one, that angelic being, has more theology in his little pinky than you and I, all of us combined together. We got it together, all the great PhD. I don't have a PhD. I don't want one. But uh, I kind of did. Anyway, I'm getting lost. We combine all the PhDs together of theology, the Paul, Augustine, Jonathan Edwards, Spurgeon. We combine all of those mighty men of God, John the Baptist, Elijah, Moses. The deceiver knows more theology than 
What does Scripture say? The, Lord, the demons know that God exists. And what do they do? They shudder. But they know. He knows scriptural principles. A lot of times in your mind when, you, when he's coming at you, you're hearing scripture, right? I mean, because he's twisting and he's distorting. But anyway, he knows scriptural principles and he puts them to use, just upside down, reversed and corrupted. So he unites those who intend evil and he divides those who are innocent as doves. Look at those three names. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Trio. The three amigos. Three musketeers of evil. But armed together, they are more formidable. Right? Whether for evil or for good, when people stand together, it makes them stronger. Cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, I'm on... I'm trying hard. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to try to restrain my meandering Mississippi ways. <laughs> Storytelling. But this one is in my notes. It's right here. I'm supposed to tell you. Um, sorry, that's between me and the Lord. Uh, sorry. Uh, echo, or eco, Sorry. Eco is the newest Presbyterian flavor of the month. The news is news. Last I checked, there were 27 Presbyterian denominations. I'm sure by now there's 34. If you look in the world worldwide, there's thousands of them. Anyway, Eco is the uh, most recent flavor of Presbyterianism. I'm not going to get into it, and that's what you saw me doing because I got sin in my heart and I got anger against that denomination. So I'm not, not going to get into it. But you know this, right? Anyone who's been around long enough, when a church decides to do something significant, like uh, this is going to affect the people, like change the carpet color, there's a huge fight that breaks out. Or change the music style. I'm not trying to meddle. Um, or leave a denomination. Get ready, right? It's going to be bad. The la- so the last two churches I was in, the first church it didn't happen like this, but the church before this, I came in the aftermath. They called me after the battle had been won. And they left the denomination. They were uh, set up as an eco-church, and they were excited to call a new young pastor. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they were getting. <laughs> I wore robes there every Sunday. They, oh, I'm not going to get off. I'm not going to stay on topic. But you know what, what word I kept hearing, even though the battle was won? They kept talking about the battle. And they described this group. Again, I'm not trying to meddle, but you know where this group came from? It was the choir. Don't preach, don't preach the choir, because the choir is the most beautiful people in the world. There's a, but I think there's a phrase about... Anyway, stop there. <laughs> things can get divisive. Things can get nasty. They called this group of people the faction because they were so united. I'm not saying who's evil and who's not in this situation, uh, but they were united. They were strong. They had meetings in the parking lot, in people's homes. They were so strong that they didn't name themselves, but a name arose for them, the faction. This group of people that were small in number that needed to be defeated. 
and Balak, Tobiah, Geshem, armed together are more formidable. And these names are going to keep showing up over and over, over and over and over again here, right? I thought we might be done. Reuben preached a whole sermon on opposition, right? A couple weeks ago, called Opposition. And here we are again, talking about these guys. Guess what? This time they are a distraction. Not a strong opposition. The battle's been fought. They lost. Remember this back in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 8. This is when they were getting, they were going to take care of business. They all plotted together to come and fight physically against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it with weapons, right? Oh, what did Nehemiah do? Go back and listen to Reuben's sermon. It says here, we prayed to our God and we set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Here in our text today, they are taunting and manipulating what to distract Nehemiah from the task at hand. Now listen, it's significant distraction. It's nothing to scoff at, but it is an echo of the battle. A sound Oh, I'm getting all technical on you. Or series of sounds caused by the reflection of sound waves. Can you hear me echoing? But as it bounces around the room, what happens to it? It gets weaker, weaker, weaker. And that church before that loved me dearly in ways I needed, while the choir faction was gone there was an echo of that battle in the church deep inside people it left wounds i didn't join them until after the battle had been won until the deck had been cleared but i heard that name faction all the time sometimes i'd see members of the faction. i did a memorial for a member of the faction in in a church they found that was falling apart roof was falling apart the Lord blessed me with not knowing any of the battle. Does that make, does that make sense? And so I was able to go where other people weren't. I, I don't want to be offensive to, the, to my family, right? Because there's deep wounds there. Stop there. Particularly the war tactics of scorched earth that had been used in that battle were still present. You ever notice when people feel really threatened? Myself included. Oh, we usually all of a all of a sudden all the rules go out the out the window, right? We abandon our ideals. We abandon our beliefs. All of a sudden, the way of love and compassion, we put that on the back burner till the battle is won, and we resort to the way that the world fights, <laughs> the way that animals defend themselves, tooth and nail. All bets are off. All of a sudden, nothing matters. Nothing matters but to win. Because why? God is on our side because we're right up here. Our theology is right. We're right. Maybe we are. Remember what we heard earlier? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We'll read a little bit more. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Um, our battle, a true battle, behind-the-scenes battle is with the evil one, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
You know what comes next. What comes next? What does it say? I'm going to be a little snarky. Does it say, therefore, because we're battling this spiritual battle, destroy your enemy's character. Speak ill of them and how they are wrong whenever you have an opportunity to tear them down. If they are above reproach, if you can't find anything, because they're wrong, but if you can't find anything in their life or in their heart or in their, their way of, if they're above reproach, no one is, but if, if, they're, if they're high above reproach, you know what you do? You go after their family, right? You go after their livelihoods. You ruin their name in their neighborhoods, at their workplaces, and with their friends and family. You convince those that are in power, earthly power, that they are rebelling and that they have evil intentions in their hearts. That's how Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem play the game. That's how I've played the game before. Verse 6, it says, I won't come back, hold on. Verse 6 in our passage for today, it says, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, like he's an independent authority. Oh yeah, Geshem's on board. That you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become king. We all know that's not how Ephesians 6 goes. But that's what we do. And here's the hard lesson for me today. We most often are not the good guys in the story. I'm not Nehemiah. We're the bad guys. You know why? Not all the time, but a lot of the time. Because we believe a lie. Whispered into our ears. Whispered into our minds. And into our hearts. A very convincing lie. So we destroy like the destroyer. We deceive like the deceiver. We accuse like the accuser. Now here's what it says. Something that is often... It's a beautiful scripture. I wouldn't say any of us don't affirm it, right? But here's what it says. Though it is often farthest from the way we actually act in this world when we are in conflict. Take up the whole armor of God. Let God be your armor, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. This is a whole other sermon. We're not going to get into it. Belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, and shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of what? Of peace. Peace. In all circum, I'm getting loud. All circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It's a defensive posture, a peaceful posture. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, praying at all times. That's what Nehemiah does. We see it over and over and over again. I don't need to keep, excuse my back, keep pointing it out to you. Verse 9 says, what does Nehemiah do? He says, oh God, strengthen my hands. Prayer, prayer, prayer. If I forget, someone wave at me later. Come forward at the end if, you, if, if we can pray with you, okay? Prayer. Praying at all time in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, this is the Scripture, praying at all time in the Spirit. 
in prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with perseverance. Keep alert with perseverance. Those names are going to keep showing up as much as I'd like to move on from them and hit the other topics that uh, the Scriptures are pulling out. They're going to keep showing up, and so we're going to keep addressing it. The enemy is not going to relent. <laughs> He's not going to give up. That said, in this case, and in the case of the bitter battle, guess what? These are echoes. These are echoes of his tyranny. They're echoes. The victory has been won. The battle has been fought. The hard part already came earlier when they had physical weapons. The echoes are weaker watered-down versions of the battle. They are echoes. But the evil one uses everything in his arsenal. He still uses those echoes to divide and distract from the gospel. I'm about to get into something hard. Don't mistake those echoes as new trauma. Don't mistake those echoes as a new war. Don't mistake those echoes as a new battle in which we got to raise up arms again against one another. The evil one is in retreat. Amen? He's trying to distract us from the kingdom breaking forth. He was doing it in Nehemiah. He's doing it today here with God's people. Now listen. That's snarky. I'm going to take it out. Look, let's look at one of these names. Uh... Sam Ballot, right? Babylonian name. <laughs> is Sam Ballot one of the good guys in this story? No! It's very clear, right? If it was in a movie, uh, he'd be in the shadows, right? In the dark. You can always my kids watch shows, they can always tell who the evil 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 guys are. It's him. That said, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but chapter thirteen, guess what? It, we we learned that Sam Ballot's daughter has married the son of Eliashib. Do you remember that guy's name? I read a bunch of names recently. He's the high priest. What? He's the high priest. Some point later, after Nehemiah and all this, he becomes the governor of Samaria. He has political ambitions. His two sons have Jewish names. Everything is pointing to the fact that this is a man who wants to succeed in the world at any cost. That he married a Jew so that he could get their vote. And he was an ambitious politician and ruler and that he wanted power. Here we go. Pray for me, okay? This happens a lot with associate pastors. It's a huge temptation. I went out to, uh, after the church in Florida, I went out and I interviewed in a number of ch places. Um, Texas. One place was, what was it? Is it Palm Desert or is it Desert Palm? I always get it mixed up. Beautiful place. Gorgeous. Very wealthy. Would have been wonderful. A lot of fashion there, which my, life, my wife loves. She was very, I'm going to stop. But you know what had happened there? And we see it happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Some young associate pastor felt like he was supposed to take over. 
and um, he was told, that's not true. <laughs> we're Presbyterian, we're going to do things in order. Ooh, amen. Keep, keep us in check. Sinful as I, a man. And so you know what he did? He took his supporters and he went and planted a church right down the street. It happens all the time. When I was in Florida, one spiritual woman at the time, I thought she was a little crazy. But she told me she had a vision of a serpent wrapped around the steeple of that Florida church, and I ignored her. In hindsight, she was absolutely right. I'm going to try to respect your time. Sorry, excuse me. The head pastor was removed through manipulation unjustly. I was a part of it. He had a lot of issues. A lot of issues. A lot. Stop there. Most people in leadership do. Heck, most people do, right? I do. But we felt that the ends justified the means. He'd done so many wrong things. He'd hurt so many people. He's in a position of spiritual authority. He's spiritually abusing people. He needed to be removed. And so he was removed forcibly in an evil way. In the meantime, in the absence of the senior pastor... Guess what happened? Guess what happens to the associate pastor when the senior pastor's gone? I ended up preaching a lot. I de facto, whether I de facto led the church in a difficult transition. And the former senior pastor, he left one parting blow before he left, like like a snake. He's not a snake. He's being, it's the evil one that we're fighting. But he left some venom. In the leadership of the presbytery, you don't know what a presbytery is? Ask a friend. He left some venom in there, and the venom was this. Don't those young associate pastors always try to take over? It's true. It's true. It happens all the time. And I think that venom is nurtured by the evil one. Lies were told, circulated, and... uh, me, there were three young pastors there at the time. Me, my wife, Benita, and another guy, I'm not going to say his name, for the protection of the innocent. Young, he's a man who's an assistant pastor, became associate pastor. I don't want to get lost in that. But guess what? They, uh, Removed us. Oh, on the surface, everything looked great. By the way, if a pastor ever leaves, in general, there's something else going on under, under the hood. The Lord judges the heart. But uh, I think they did it out of fear. And the evil one, not them, but with threats... And with manipulation, with lies, not following what Presbyterians are supposed to follow. There's no rules in that denomination. Excuse me. They forced me, my wife, and my dear friend, literally all the pastors of the church out of that church. 
to leave immediately and not to speak about it again lest uh, our careers and livelihoods be destroyed. I came here with a computer science degree in my back pocket because the church in Texas told me to slow down. I didn't listen to them. So I crossed the street on a regular basis and I took computer science classes in my free time. I, was, I wasn't not getting my work done. I, I, uh, I came up here hoping. I was called to this church. I, feel, I felt it. Uh, I looked first for computer science jobs. I got an interview with... Uh, I have a cousin at Microsoft. Brother works at Facebook. It's supposed to be an easy job to get. But I couldn't get one. Isn't that interesting? And... Um, Lord had different plans for me, but I came here and I met a lion of a man named Tommy Allen. I I recently wrote this email to him. I can't read to you what he wrote back because I hadn't asked him, but even on sabbatical, he is there for me. Here's the email I wrote. Oh, by the way, this is a while back. A while back. Hey, brother. Just... (laughs) Just want to let you know we are praying for you. Also, I want... This is a private email. This is my heart. I wanted to share with you that in my travails, that when a senior pastor is away, this is usually... Forgive me. When those skunks come out of the woodwork (laughs) to tempt whoever may be the associate that they should be in charge. I wanted to let you know that that is not the case here at all. (laughs) Maybe that means I'm not as well-loved as I thought. Bunch of laughing emojis. But truly, you are deeply, deeply loved here by these people. Email continues, also on a personal note, thank you for being you. When I first got here, I had been beaten up and broken down from the heartbreak of being regularly regularly beaten up by people who were supposed to be the people of God and a family to me. I was done in more ways than one. I certainly had lost any heart for going to battle for anything or anyone. And then I met you, Tommy, and your courage. At first I thought, thank God, I finally have someone I can hide behind and who can be courageous for me because I just can't do it anymore. And as time went on, your courage lit the flame of courage in me once again. Not only that, but you paved the way here and got rid of, I have to mute myself, some people who would have given me grief for being myself. I can never thank you enough for giving me the courage to be myself and reminding me that we have a great lion who fights for us. Thank you for reflecting him in your life and with me with much love. I've been guilty in the sight of the congregation and so in the sight of the congregation I say this I've been been guilty of assuming that I knew your hearts because of my own past trauma you are not like those churches 
and those experiences that I have had. And I am deeply, deeply sorry for not giving you a chance to be yourselves and assuming that you are just like every other large church that I have met. The Lord's spoken to it over and over and over and confirmed it in me that that is not the, the case here. I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it in how you treat Tommy. I've seen it in how you handled the buffets. I've seen it this last week in the way in which overwhelmingly you have handled me, thank you, with graciousness and kindness to the level that I've rarely ever experienced, only in one small, tiny church. Just this last week, unrelated to this sermon and a separate conversation, the Lord confirmed it again because I'm thick-headed and I'm stubborn through a godly man named Reuben, and I'm quoting him because he said exactly how I feel. This is what, this is what Reuben said. Quote, My whole time here at this church, I have never felt the need to hide who I am under a bushel. And for that I am grateful. You guys remember what this sermon is about? Distraction, right? As much as the evil one is our ancient foe, as much as there is no one on this earth who is his equal, he has been defeated. He is an echo of his former power, control, and tyranny. We're going to read this. We're going to sing it. One little word shall fell him. You know what that one little word is? I thought maybe it's Jesus. Right? That's always the right answer in church, right? It's got to be Jesus. Is that the word that fells the, de- the devil? Sorry, you're going to hear my southern accent coming out. I don't think I'm doing it on purpose. I think I feel comfortable. I think it's a good sign. Maybe I'm watching too much Ted Lasso. Luther says, I believe, I didn't Snopes it, but Luther says that that one simple word is liar. We know his name. The deceiver. The destroyer. The accuser. The serpent. Liar. When you know someone's true name, it gives you power over them. When he comes over and over and over again in diverse ways and diverse methods, remember that one little word, liar. Victory has been won. Hear this truth. The strong man resides within you as the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 2 of that song. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man, capital M, on our side. The man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Seboeth is his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. He's won it. It's finished. We're just not living like it's true. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, protect us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.